time to screw the norms. To fit in, we often hide what's on our minds, who we really are, or who we want to be, or even what we want to do. But now you're having the right conversations. Here, we'll talk about sex, relationships, and mental health, and how they interact with each other and so many other aspects of life. Shame can't survive when we're honest and curious with each other and ourselves. It's time for your mind to scream less and for you to screw more. I'm Rachel Wright, a non-monogamous queer psychotherapist and your host. Hi, friends, and welcome back to The Right Conversations. Today, we have Sydney Harris on the podcast, and we are going to have a conversation that I'm really excited about. Um, She has graciously uh, volunteered herself (laughs) to talk about her first polyamorous relationship. And I know a lot of you out there um, have considered non-monogamy, um, perhaps not polyamory, but whatever version of non-monogamy has resonated with you. I know a lot of you listening are non-monogamous, um, or perhaps you are very consciously monogamous and just find it interesting to hear about other people's relationship experiences. Wherever you fall, I know that there will be lessons and tidbits and things to take from this. Um, And I'm really grateful to have someone on the show that is going to talk so openly about their experience um, in a first, because we don't get to do that very often. So without any further ado, Sydney, welcome to The Right Conversations. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Before we dive into your story, will you tell everyone who you are, what you do, what lights you up, any anything you want to include? Absolutely. Um, so my name is Sydney Harris, and um, I run the social media page, uh, Clitoricious, and also the I do the podcast, Clit Talking. Um, and I am a sexuality educator who kind of started doing this like freelance education in 2020. Um, I was in grad school at the time studying human sexuality. And I was just really, I got really passionate about um, having just authentic conversations with people about their sexuality, about their gender, about their relationships. And because I've always been like a really open person and that kind of just followed through my academic career and then I realized like I just want to like do this on my own and talk to people and help people out and be an, a source of like non-judgment while also like having being like a space for people to like explore who they are um yeah so Rachel and I kind of connected through social media and we've been following each other for a while and I've just I've been watching your journey and through your relationships and just you do so many amazing things for the like I don't know I just feel like people love you so much and what you do Mm -hmm. for the community and thank you um so I'm just so excited to be here and get some advice on maybe or just like maybe some input on you know how my first polyamorous relationship went yeah Um, and yeah I just I want to like get more vulnerable and open about this subject because I haven't particularly talked about it in a super open way. I mean, I've like talked about it with my therapist, you know, yeah. over time because I see her weekly, but that's, it's different than talking about it on kind of a larger scale. So 
Totally. And I, I thank you so much for being open to, to doing that because I think that, and I, I'm sure that you can attest to this with, you know, some of your work too. Um, there's the academic side of things and then there's the personal side of things in our own stories. And I think that we need both to truly learn certain things. And, you know, because we don't get a relationship class in school, because we don't have like a guidebook. Um, I mean, there are great guidebooks out there now, nowadays, um, but because we don't have like a map to, to necessarily follow, it's not like math, like it's not two and two equal two plus two equals four, right? Like everybody's mm -hmm. different. Every relationship is different. And so I think that having a good, healthy combo of academic, like this is what some of the research says is really helpful in communication or in sex mm -hmm. lives combined with, here's this thing that I went through is so important and we're lacking so deeply as a society in the, here's this thing that I went through piece. Oh, absolutely. I relate to that so much just because I I didn't even know what non-monogamy or polyamory was until I was like I had heard of it and like, you know, but it was always associated with like polygamy. Mm -hmm. And so when I went to grad school and I actually learned about it on like this academic level and I, I was exposed to all these like new terms and yeah. um just like I met like real people who were in like real relationships that weren't dyads and it was just fascinating to for me to like be exposed to this new world and then when I actually started like implementing this um I guess I would say lifestyle I still don't know if I would say I'm like polyamorous as like a relationship um like orientation orientation or whatever yeah. but um yeah, I just started implementing it in my relationships. And then, you know, I had like a three-way for the first time. And that was like, such a, I don't know if you've ever had like a three-way. I feel like the first one is very like eye-opening and it's just such a novel experience. So um, you're like, there is another body in this space where there is usually only one body exactly <laughs> and i have adhd so i feel like there was it was almost like good for me because there was so much going on that i could focus on so like i, I feel like that. it was <laughs> overall it was like fine but like anyways i just as i started implementing all this um into my life it really like all the challenges started coming up, like, you know, the things we read about in books or like heard about that could happen, like started happening with like jealousy and, um, you know, just what it's like to have more than two people in the mix of things. Yeah. So, so take yeah, us, that was take us into this from, from the beginning. Um, okay. So I went to college in Montana where I met, um, my partner um of four years where we okay. started dating so we started dating in 2019 um and so we met at an ice cream shop and whatever and we started dating and then i immediately graduated college and moved to philadelphia for grad school um to get my master's in human sexuality or education in human sexuality and my partner at the time followed me like came with me and um so we were like 
just kind of newly dating and now we we're gonna like live together like across the united states and i was gonna be like studying this you know really kind of out there topic like a lot of people you know when i would mention what i was studying people would be like oh that's interesting or you know people don't really get what it's all about necessarily mm -hmm. um but anyways we yeah so we lived there for a while and then the pandemic happened so we moved back to idaho where i'm currently at and this was around the time where i had been really exposed to these ideas of polyamory and, and non-monogamy like we had these like books that were assigned to us in grad school that were all about these topics and i still have like a bunch of them in my little library but mm -hmm. um so i was just starting to get really interested because i remember like when i was like growing up i really I feel like I was like never really a naturally like, jealous person when it came to friendships. And I noticed like this trend where I'd always be in like friendships with like three. So it'd be like me and two other people. And like that always seemed to like work for me for some reason, like that sort of dynamic. Mm -hmm. And I just found that really interesting, um, kind of just reflecting on um, just my friendship childhood or my friend, my childhood friendship, sorry. Yeah. growing up and um so then I was like would bring these things up to my partner at the time I was like do you think we could like you know look into this or explore that and we started having like those conversations you know like what does that look like and so you learned about it academically and then brought mm -hmm. that kind of academic knowledge and interest to your partner who you were monogamous with right okay yes yeah so I don't know if you see any like red flags there off the no, bat. No, not at all. Like, In fact, yeah, I, I, I had a very similar, not exactly the same at all. It took me a lot longer to implement what I had learned. Yeah. Um, but I also um, learned about it in grad school. And mm -hmm in more of like a client competency way like these are different oh, relationship yeah. designs and like here's the different types of relationships that you could be working with underneath mm -hmm. this kind of larger umbrella of marriage and family therapy that i was studying um but i it, it was similar in the way that when i came at it with the the partner that i eventually did become non-monogamous with um i was bringing a lot of the same like academic knowledge and like mm -hmm this is what my textbook says. What do you think this could look like for us? Like it wasn't, uh, you know, it, yeah. So I, I no, no red flags and totally get it. <laughs> if anyone else listening out there hears something that we don't hear, please <laughs> let us know. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, seriously. continue. <laughs> um, so then, yeah, so these were now kind of like the conversations we were having were starting to become a little more frequent because I don't know, I just like I had this feeling when I was learning about these things that like something connected to me connected with me like with these like ideas of like oh you can love someone and also love another person simultaneously and that doesn't take away from you know the love with that other person like because I had experienced that with like my friendships a lot like sometimes I got like closer to one friend but that didn't mean that I would like you know stop hanging out with my other friend or something right. or just stuff like that and um so then eventually we kind of when we moved back to idaho we kind of 
decided, oh, maybe we should like try out like flirting with some people, like getting on some like um, polyamorous like dating apps and like seeing who's out there like in our community or whatever. And just like, oh, maybe we'll connect with someone. And so we made like, uh, we were on, what was that app? Field. Field, yeah, yeah, Field. And um, we made like an account and we, you know, did all this stuff like, hey, we're a couple, like, we're, I don't remember exactly what we said. We probably didn't say what we were supposed to at the time. I don't really know. We were still like learning about how, but like we made it very obvious that we were like open to new connections. Um, and then we ended up like talking to some, this person, this woman from like that we both went to college with and we like reconnected with her. And, um, and then we kind of like started flirting and then she kind of became the person that we started like talking to more and then we ended up having like a threesome with like she came to visit us and we like had a threesome or whatever um so that was like an interesting experience and overall it was like positive and I actually like asked her afterwards like for like feedback (laughs) like so how like I don't know did you feel like safe or like was it weird for you like all of that kind of stuff um can I pause you there yeah Can you share just for anyone listening who, um, who hasn't had a group experience, Mm -hmm. would you be open to talking a little bit about what that was like for you? Like the, the buildup leading up to it, what the actual experience was like, like, and anything you felt or afterwards? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when she came to visit, it was like one of those things where we all just wanted to like get to know each other more and just like hang out and like uh you know drink or whatever and just like so we just wanted to her to like be really comfortable and and then we kind of talked about like more about um she got like tested beforehand Mm -hmm. and we all got tested beforehand and then so she like shared her results with us and all of that and then we just kind of talked about like if there was anything that we didn't want to happen during the threesome or if there was any like major you know triggers or stuff like that that's great almost Um, like a pre-scene consultation yeah yeah but we we did it like over drinks and stuff so we we made it pretty like casual wasn't that's great um but then I remember it started like sorry excuse me (laughs) we were in like the kitchen and um my partner at the time started like making out with the other woman who was like we were having a threesome with and then I was just like kind of watching and I like you know it was like you know I don't know it's just it was like a good experience like everyone was just like hot and bothered and it was like a good time and then I started making out with her and then we just like went to the bedroom and just like kind of took turns pleasing everyone and watching and receiving and get like was that the first time that you had seen your partner who I believe is a man um well it's interesting she's actually a trans woman but at the time she identified as a man 
Ah, yeah, which okay. makes it complicated. Yeah, okay. I should have no, like so added that, that in. No, no, but. no, no, no. That's really helpful. I thought I heard mm -hmm. you say he, and then I heard she, but I, with yeah, you, sorry. totally with yeah. you. Okay, mm -hmm. so at the time, how mm -hmm. was it to see him with someone else? It was exciting, like, and I didn't feel like any, like nothing in my body was like telling me that it was like bad or that I or that I didn't like it or something like mm -hmm. I feel like I immediately started getting like compersion feelings which was interesting for me and I kind of like mm -hmm. and I think it was because we had done a lot of like flirting and like exchanging of like nudes beforehand like months like leading up to it so I feel like I knew we were all on the same page and that like I trusted this person and um, I don't know. Like I just really, to me, it, I remember saying this to my partner after, my partner at the time afterwards that like, I really enjoyed seeing what it's like to have my partner like please someone else. It almost gives me like this meta perspective of like, oh, like, that's what you look like when you like please me or you know like that mm. I can see like how gentle they are or like yes that sort of thing so it almost, almost like gave zooming me more out of an yeah it was like zooming out and it gave me like this more appreciation for my partner at the time which I found pretty interesting um yeah yeah so it sounds like it was largely positive yeah I would I say it was largely positive like for like a first threesome I feel like it went well um the feedback that the woman afterwards gave me was that she like had a really good time and like it was like really exciting and like pleasurable and good for her um but one thing she said that was that like she could tell how connected me and my partner were and that mm. that she was actually having some like jealous feelings that she wished she could have that like connection with someone or like with you know yeah. that deeper connection and also with... how beautiful that you created a space you and your partner created a space where she felt comfortable saying that to you right yeah which I thought I just wanted to like because I was really nervous too going in I wasn't like I was really into it but I was also like I don't want her to like think we're just using her for this threesome or something yep. or this we don't see her as like a full person or yes. like something like that yeah. And um, that right there is the difference between unicorn hunting and lovingly, openly finding someone who wants to participate in a threesome. Right. Like I, yeah. right? Like that distinction is so, um, I get asked this a lot. Like, is my partner and I want to look for a third? How do mm -hmm. we do that without unicorn hunting? Or is it always unicorn hunting? And it's like, right. I mean, look we like if somebody wants to be a unicorn mm -hmm. and you're looking for a unicorn you can call mm -hmm. that unicorn hunting but it's usually used in like a very negative like what you're saying like less than a person and more of like a here's this person to like service right us and that's right. it sounds like the opposite of what you did which is beautiful oh well that's good I'm glad to get your feedback on yeah that. <laughs> I was like kind of nervous to talk about it because you know like it's one of those things where like we have all these there's not really like rules but there's a lot of like guidelines of yeah. like what a good threesome should be or whatever so no it sounds um, wonderful 
So what happened after that? Yeah. So then we had a threesome and it went really well. And then we just like kind of at this point in the relationship, we started having like other issues going on. Um, and they were like unrelated to polyamory and just like some incompatibility stuff coming up. And so then I feel like we stopped kind of like, you know, partaking in this lifestyle and, um, let me pause you up between the threesome and then did you have, did either of you have any external relationships or experiences? Um, between the threesome and then, yes. So okay. this was like about a year and a half later, maybe. Okay. Um, and we had had some conversations about like, oh, like, can I, like, I don't know. It sounds weird to say can I, but like, can can I explore basically like other relationships that aren't maybe uh-huh. even like threesome oriented? Yeah. Um, and so she, at the time she gave me like the go ahead to like, you know, go on dating apps and just like explore things like that. And Um, did your partner transition while you were still together? Yeah. And it is really interesting because I found someone on the dating app and I started dating her in like January of last year. Okay. And this was like a couple, like a couple months after my partner at the time transitioned to being non-binary. Okay. And then after I started dating this other partner, um, then <laughs> it gets so complex when I can't use like names. And I know, I know. It's <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> yeah. Um, We're with so you. She's, she started transitioning to be a woman like about a month after I started dating this other person, essentially. Okay. Okay. So thank you for walking us through this. And I, I hope that for yeah. everyone listening, you can hear how mindful Sydney's being of using the pronouns that applied to the time that Sydney's talking about. And I think that right. that's really important for anyone listening who's like confused or gets stuck on some of these things. Like hear the the slowness that Sydney just came at this with to be mindful of using the correct pronouns. It's really important. And I, I just want to like P- PSA in the middle of our conversation, <laughs> like take the time to use the right pronouns. Okay. Off my soapbox. Please no, continue. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you for saying that. It's like, it's one of those things too, because, you know, now that we're broken up, like I, it doesn't mean I'm going to not respect their pronouns and like you know I feel like it's one of those things too where um yeah I try to be really mindful so thank you yeah um but yeah so I started dating this person um this new person and we were really like hitting it off and then and she actually got along really well with my other current partner it was and we would like hang out and like, like would they, I don't know. They weren't, we weren't like a triad, I guess you could say, but I guess we were like, I don't know what you call it. Like kitchen table polyamory is maybe what mm-hmm. you could, how you could describe it. Um, like we were all open about the experience. Um, but this is about like the same time that my um, original partner was transitioning and 
she also started getting some jealousy issues coming up with like the other partner that I started dating. And it became one of those things where I would have like overnights with my um, new partner Mm -hmm. and I would come back and like my other partner would just be like really Mm. um, distraught and disconnected and like, yeah, I'd have to like calm them down and, So that's like when like a lot of the issues started happening. And I feel like I can attribute a lot of like the dissolution of our relationship on the fact that like there was just a lot going on at one time, really. Um, And I didn't really know I was going to like fall for this new partner as hard as I did. Like, I think I was like truly like in love. Yeah. And it was just like a different type of love that I hadn't really experienced before Mm -hmm. um and that was just I think that was hard for my other partner to see that like I was actually like not only could I have you know sexual relationships with other people but I was actually capable of like falling in love with them and I think that was when we were kind of like I don't know if this is gonna work out in the way we wanted to If you experience recurrent BV or yeast infections or struggle with vaginal symptoms like odor, discharge, pain with sex, or more, you are not alone, and you should totally test your vaginal microbiome with Evie. Evie has developed the world's first at-home vaginal microbiome test and screens for more than 700 bacteria and fungi with a single swab, including those related to symptoms and infections. Evie also offers free one-on-one vaginal health coaching and innovative prescription treatment programs developed just for you by a provider. You can order your vaginal health test today at evy.com, that's E-V-V-Y.com, and use code RACHEL10 for $10 off your first test. We are so conditioned with romantic love, mm-hmm. and for many people that includes sex, not for, not for all necessarily, um, but we're so conditioned with romantic love that there mm-hmm. is something incredibly special and romantic about being the only one Mm -hmm. and that's our mononormative stuff that we're Mm -hmm. brought up with and it truly does feel like your entire nervous system is going to like come out of your body when Mm -hmm. the person that you love is falling in love with someone else because it's Mm -hmm. like screaming like danger 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 like alert alert like there there is a lion coming into our den and it's gonna Mm -hmm. like eat all of our thing like it's a really visceral scary response and it's hard it's really hard to do the work to unlearn this stuff Mm -hmm. and so it it makes sense right why like the the response is exactly what you described coming home like Mm -hmm coming home from your sleepovers they're they're Mm -hmm. that needing to help calm and then also like reintegrate and like come back in together and Mm -hmm. like nothing's changed this is different and yet we accept this with our friendships just Mm -hmm. like you were saying at the beginning of our chat like you're three you worked best in groups of three and like no one's like well how can you be my friend if you're friends with that person like Mm -hmm. we don't do that with any other type of relationships we can still Mm -hmm. get jealous we can still feel all the feels Mm -hmm. um 
but we don't have this like the one thing. Right. No, that's so true. I think about that so much with um how all the how all like this relationship played out, like both of these relationships. And um it was really hard because um once all this kind of like dissolved and she just decided, oh, I can't be with you essentially because she said I can't be with you because you're polyamorous is essentially what she said. Mm. Um, which is like a hard thing to like hear. Yeah. Cause I'm like, cause I'm like, oh, it wasn't because I don't know. It was like one of those things where I'm like, do I compromise myself now and like just say, oh, actually I like I'm not capable of loving more than one person or like that's not something that I feel like will fulfill me or, or um that I want to explore. And then I just felt super stuck, I think. Um, was like the feeling I was going through most. And like right after my original partner broke up with me, it was like right before my birthday in July of last year. And then like a week after my, like the partner I'd seen, been seeing since January broke up with me as well. <laughs> so then I had like this oh, double breakup boy. moment. Yeah. Um, where... Yeah, then I was just like, what do am I just like completely unlovable? Like, did I fuck this up like completely to the point where now I've lost like two people I love in a span of like a week? Mm. And it was like double the heartbreak. And I was like, I don't know. I it was really hard for me to kind of process. Yeah how it all happened because I originally blamed myself since I was kind of like, obviously it was like, they were both my partners and they broke up with me and yeah, that was hard. But So looking back on it now, slash if you've had conversations with them after that, do you mm-hmm. attribute the breakup to something else? Um, yes, I think I attribute the breakup to as hard as it is to say, I would say my mental health. Um, Mm. And I would, I don't even say that in like, I'm blaming myself for it way. I just, I was so sick to the point where, you know, I started losing a bunch of weight. Um, Last November, I ended up going through a really bad manic and then psychotic episode. And that was like, building up for months I think um I was just putting myself under so much stress to like I don't know be this person that I thought my family wanted me to be that I thought like society wanted me to be and I was just not showing up for any of my relationships like even me and my mom were having a lot of issues Mm. and I wasn't able to maintain a job like I would start a job and immediately have to quit after a few weeks because I just like couldn't even function um so I started attributing that more to like why my relationships dissolved in the way they did um But then I'm also like, there are moments where I'm like, oh, I could have done things better um, in terms of like, just like being more openly communicative about like how my new relationship was progressing 
um like in terms of like telling that to my other partner or like you know just being more um maybe i don't know i want to say i wish i could have been a little bit more compassionate in understanding like the jealousy feelings that my original partner was going through and like mm -hmm. um i think there were some like selfish moments on my part honestly where I was just like, oh, well, this is like who I am. Like, I'm not going to change myself for you. And then I think that my partner was like, oh, well, I'm in the same boat. Like, I'm, this is who I am. I'm not going to change myself for you, which I think once it gets to that point, you know, it's kind of like, it's more than just like the compromises you're supposed to be making. Um, right, right. Yeah. There's a difference between um, adjusting behaviors <laughs> or adjusting... Mm -hmm yeah adjusting behaviors or adjusting who we are mm -hmm. and yeah. that for for some people that's actually a very like narrow uh line like it's mm -hmm. it's very thin and then for other people and and frankly for some behaviors and and others it it is further apart you know like right. we can learn how to fight more fairly and have healthier conflict mm -hmm. management um but when we're asking someone to like not express their emotion when they are mm -hmm. an emotional person who expresses mm -hmm. emotion, that's changing who they are, you know, right? Like right. we can ask for like a shift in volume or a shift in tone or mm -hmm. to take breaks when they're activate. Like we can do behavioral things, but like telling someone like I'm a crier, for example, I like mm -hmm. I call it emotional sweating and <laughs> I emotionally sweat a lot. And yeah. um if someone said like i just need you to stop crying mm -hmm. i'd be like and i need rain today on a sunny day <laughs> like i you know what i mean like what ah like that would be changing yeah. fundamentally like part of who i am mm -hmm. um and i can say hey i'm about to cry if you want to leave the room i i'm just making it up as an example but mm -hmm. yeah there there's a difference there so i guess kind of with that in mind what have you learned are some things that you could have maybe shifted mm -hmm. um, versus things that you feel good about not shifting because they're part of you? Mm, that's a good question. <clears throat> um, I think I think one thing I wish. I could have like maybe shifted and if I do if I am in another polyamorous relationship like will I'll be more mindful of this is just like the pace at which um I introduce new relationships into like you know if I'm already in a uh you know a uh, relationship with someone and then I introduce another person just being more mindful of the pace of that and realizing mm. that that is something that is under my control um like you can't control like falling in love with someone and like the feelings you're gonna have but i think i could have been knowing now that like it, things can happen so quickly i wish i would have been more mindful of being like hey i think i want to like kiss this person or like hey i think that like I'm actually developing pretty strong feelings. And I think I kind of held those things in to a point where then I just 
was like, oh, hey, I'm in love with this person. And I think it was kind of like a big shock to the relationship because it looked from the outside, it looked like, oh, we were just going on dates. Like I didn't, you know, I wouldn't say much about the dates because I didn't want to like make my partner at the time really jealous. But I really should have talked about how I was feeling after those dates with my partner and processed in those moments more, I think. Yeah, that's that's a really beautiful takeaway. And I think that that's, you know, it's such a learning curve for all of us. And frankly, it differs in each relationship, you know, like in my original, I don't, I don't even know what word to use in my relationship that I was in first, that first opened up that I'm no longer in. um, He and I had a different way of communicating about things like that than Mm -hmm. I do now with my two partners. And frankly, it's a little bit different between the two of them, even though we Mm -hmm. all operate within the same agreements, Mm -hmm. what those agreements look like between Mm -hmm. each dyad looks different. Mm -hmm. And like the nuance there is so wild and challenging at times and also so important as you're saying like, we can come from the best of intentions. Like you were not Mm -hmm. wanting to create difficult feelings for your partner. Mm -hmm. And in turn, that wound up making them feel blindsided, it sounds like, or taken off guard. Um, And so what a beautiful lesson for you to take into future relationships is like, Mm -hmm. how do we want to disclose about the pace of relationships? What do we Mm want to share? What do I want to know about other things, you know? Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for saying that. I, um, I think I was really hard on myself when I realized that I probably blindsided my partner more than I intended. Yeah. Um, and you know, I've done a lot of therapy, just kind of trying to be more gentle with myself and just realize that, yeah, it is, there's a learning curve and I did my Mm -hmm. very best because I definitely could do things better, but that's, that's, I feel like that's like the biggest part of polyamory is just, you know, just like any relationship, you're going to make mistakes in it. And like, I don't, I feel like there's this thing where it feels like polyamorous relationships are held to like a higher standard of like, oh, these relationships need to be like extra not toxic and extra like healthy because you're already like putting it at risk or something. And that's what it feels like to me sometimes that I have to like be more ethical about the way I go about it just because I'm adding another person, which is a lot to kind of put on people's shoulders when you're like, I just love a lot of people. Like, right. <laughs> you're like, so all relationships are hard and I'm just doing my best, which right. I would do in any of these scenarios. Right. Yeah. 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 So I think I was a little bit too hard on myself for a long time. Um, it sounds like it. But, uh, I just generally am really hard on myself for just way too long and then you know just eats away at me but honestly I've gotten a lot better about that and just being like I'm human I I fuck up I don't I have blind spots too like I'm gonna maybe act selfishly sometimes but I also always really do have good intentions which is all I can kind of hold on to so 
Yeah. And also like acknowledging the good intentions while then being able to repair the impact if those intentions Mm -hmm. don't line up. Right. And like having that space inside of us to say, okay, this was not my intention and I see the impact that it had. And so I'm going to repair. Exactly. And it's one of those things where I, it's been probably like almost, yeah, July will be like a year since me and my, all of our relationships uh, ended. I'm currently seeing someone else right now, which has been going wonderful and we're like monogamous at this point, but I really do want to eventually like reach out to um, both of my partners and just, I don't know, grab coffee with them or something if they would ever be open to that and just kind of talking through I don't know maybe I do need some of that like closure stuff which I'm just like now admitting to myself like on air with you so that's great um, <laughs> we we love in the moment <laughs> yeah you're like cool everyone listening is learning this when I did <laughs> <laughs> yeah but I think I would like to maybe do some more repairing I guess with those partners just because I was very mentally ill when when we broke up and I think some of the ways I acted were just not total representations of the character I would like to portray out to the world. Um, in terms of like, I had a lot of anger issues where I would have like these like screaming attacks, which I now realize was like my body just like had all this pent up sadness that then morphed into anger. and. Um, I would just like, I think that was really scary for them to have to like witness. And I think there was a lot of moments they felt like they had to take care of me. And that's like something that really freaks me out. still to this day is feeling like people are going to feel like they always need to take care of me. Like I know my mom probably feels like that. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I don't know. I've just learned so much from having a polyamorous relationship and being, you know, the actual experience of like loving more than one person and wanting to like pursue relationships with more than one person is such a unique novel experience and feeling. And I'm really glad I got to like experience it and like see what that's like actually like and like being able to attest to like, yes, this is a thing. This is like, you know, if I had maybe gone about it better or I can't even really say that, but like, you know, in a different scenario, like, I feel like it's something that I could really make work as part of like my relationship style or whatever. So. Thank you so much. Just as we kind of put a bow on this conversation, if you had to leave everyone with one final thought, what would it be? Um, One final thought. I think just something I've learned, especially in the past year, is to listen to your body and trust what it's telling you in like any given moment. Um, Looking back, like a lot of the struggles I went through was just with like relationship stuff and mental health stuff and learning about who I am. If I had just like paid more attention to the pace of my heart or the fact that I'm clenching my jaw or the fact that like, and pacing back and forth um 
and just being curious about what your body's telling you and not ever shaming it into being like, stop acting that way because it's just all bodily symptoms are just like little tokens of wisdom of like what's actually going on inside us. So that's something I've learned a lot that I think would be helpful just if you're ever feeling like activated in like a relationship or like an argument or whatever, just yeah, listen to your body and do what it do what it means to do. So yeah. Thank you. Sydney, thank you so much. Thank you. This has been wonderful. I just I love talking to you. I wish we could like meet in person someday. So. I know. I know. <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. If you're I'll if you're ever visit. in New York, you let me know. Yeah. I just I really need to take a trip to New York soon. So maybe I'll I'll let you know when I'm in the city. <laughs> Please do. Please do. That's all for today, you sexy folks. What questions came to mind as you were listening? Continue the conversation with me over on Instagram at the right underscore Rachel. And don't forget, please leave a rating and a review so that we can continue erasing shame and stigma together. <laughs>